0: of uh, uh, what I want to share this morning, but I w- I'm reminded of, of watching a TV uh, uh, program where a head announcer running around on the streets with a microphone in his hand. And he was talking about people dying. What do you want to be remembered for? What do you want to be remembered of? And, and they stuck a microphone in the face of a guy that had built a lot of buildings and a lot of houses. And they asked him, with all that he's done, what would he like to for people to remember about him. He said, I would like for them to remember that I built some of the strongest and the biggest and most beautiful buildings around. I built for two and three generations, and I would like for them to remember when they drive by to see that that's a building that I built. Well, they went to another one and lady this time, and as they held out the microphone and put it in her face, she said, I've been a t- schoolteacher for 40 years. I would, I've would. i taught generation after generation. I've taught children whose children I taught. And she said, I would hope that they would know that I'm a great educator. I hope that they'll always remember who I, who I was and what I would meant for their lives. It would be a wonderful thing. Then they came to this other fellow that was standing off and just watching and observing and put the microphone and said, what would you like to be thought of? He said, what do you mean? He said, well, you know, when you die and, and you're there in the casket and people walk by, what would you like for them to, to see or to think about? And he thought for a moment, he said, I'd like for him to say, I think he's moving. <laughs> well, I thought that, that's, that's a good thing. You think you're still alive, you know, really not dead, you know. And for the Christian, that's true, you know. But I thought about the Scripture that I want to use this morning. is comes from Ecclesiastes, chapter number 8, verse number 10 is the one I want to use this morning. Solomon speaking about what he saw. And Solomon in this chapter, chapter 8, verse 10 said, And so I saw the wicked buried who had come and gone from the place of the holy. And they were forgotten in the city where they had so done. Actually, what Solomon saw was a cemetery of sinners. He looked out and he said, I saw. You see, the word wicked in the Old Testament is synonymous with the word unsaved, unrighteous, ungodly, or sinners in the New Testament. And so what he was saying was that I saw sinners. I saw those that were ungodly. And the place of the holy is that he's talking about is the church. And it also is described as the tabernacle, the sanctuary, the place of worship. A modern rendition of the text would say, I saw sinners buried who had come and gone from the church and they were forgotten in the city where they had done this. Think about that for a moment. The writer of Ecclesiastic apparently attended a lot of funerals. He, he must have been around in many sinners who he often attended the church but had failed to make things right with God. And Solomon saying I st- went to their graves, they were still unsaved. And so I begin to think that picture shows a typical of almost any one of our services here in the United States, here on this hill and Bar's Mills. You see, what he was saying is, is that, you know, people from the community gather Sunday after Sunday in the place of the holy to worship God in the sanctuary. And when they came, you know, it's kind of like we had today. We we greeted one another. The music director got up and announced the songs in the courses and we sang and helped them out. And then it came to the time in the service when we simply took our prayer requests and we lifted them to the Lord and we prayed that the Holy Spirit would touch hearts and lives here in the hospitals at home and that they would touch our service. And we thought about it as we prayed through all of this. And then, you see, after all of that, we had all of the announcements and then the preacher got up and gave even more announcements. And then he poured his heart into the sermon. And he preached and he preached until he found the place to where he would come to the end of the service and we would give an invitation and we would solicit people and ask them if they had needs if they could come to the altar and be saved or come and get healed or come and get their answer to their prayers. And then we would dismiss the service and we would go out for another week. You see, that's a typical service. That's a typical way. But I thought about this. You see, I thought about this picture. It's a, you know, it's a beautiful picture of when the people of God can come together in a place like this and, and join their hearts and minds and their souls together in singing to the Lord and praying to the Lord and in listening to the Word of God. But the sad part is, the sad part is, my friend, is that the sad part of the picture is down through the years there are those who have come and gone from the church but somehow the church just simply had no effect on them. Somehow the church has not influenced to, to make a difference in their life. They came to church unsaved, and they walked out those doors unsaved. They came to the church, my friend, without, they came without God, and they left without God. They came with their burdens of sin, and they carried those burdens of sin right out with them as they left that day. I want to tell you something. They came as sinners and they went away as sinners. They came without hope of eternal life and left without hope. That's a sad picture. Because you see, we come to church, my friend, and I thought about this. We come that we might see people changed in their life, changed in their responses, changed in their attitude, all because they came and God made a difference in their life. And so I want to talk about the four tragedies that happen in the church the first is the tragedy basing your hope of eternal life on church attendance or church membership you see there's a lot of people that just say, well i'm a member i've been a member all of my life i remember when my mom and dad dedicated me as a little child and i became a member of that church and i've just been a member whether i've attended whether i've lived up to it or not you see church membership is and and church attendance is wonderful I would not minimize the value of attending church. It's important. It's important that you go to church. A perfect attendance record is a noble achievement, but it doesn't guarantee you've gone to heaven. Maybe that's the reason why we don't have so many perfect attendants anymore. I don't know. But it is no guarantee to get you to heaven, my friend. It will be, my friend, it will increase the opportunities of getting right with God, to serve Him, to enter His kingdom. The church affiliation will never save you. You see, it has nothing to do. The church is important. It is an instituted by Christ. It is a great force, my friend, in the world. It is a divine agency that spreads the gospel. And millions and millions of people have found Jesus Christ inside the walls of the church. But I want to tell you one thing. It is not the church that saves you. It's Christ. It's Jesus Christ who saves, it's not the church. The church cannot save you, my friend, but Jesus can, and He will. For the Bible tells us, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, no person comes to Christ except they come through Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you also, He said, I am the door, by me if anyone enters, he shall be saved. Again, he says, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It didn't say we must join the church. It didn't say we must be there. We must have our name written down somewhere on somebody's record. It says that we must be saved. You know what that simply means? That simply means, my friend, there is neither salvation in any other Other Under heaven, whereby we must be saved. That's what it is in Acts. You must have a personal encounter. You and I must have that personal encounter, that personal relationship, that personal experience with Jesus Christ. And without it, my friend, what a tragedy it is for people that have grown up in the church, who have gone to church all their life, and never make that decision for Jesus Christ. That's a tragedy. And there are people that go in and out of the doors of the church every week that live that kind of a life. There's a second tragedy that I find here. The tragedy of lost opportunities. It's common knowledge that opportunities do not fly in circles. Opportunities come, my friend. They move in a straight line. If you don't take advantage of that opportunity, it will never come back again. And it's a proven fact that that's the way it is. All people describe our text had at least one time, one opportunity to get saved. Notice the Bible says that they it says that many times the Bible says they had come and gone from the place of worship. How many people do you know that have come and gone from the church here at Bars Mills? How many people have walked in and out of the doors? And this is inferring that it was an often repeated practice. The holy place that he's talking about is the church and offers an opportunity to find God. And so the songs, my friend, that we sing sometimes can touch the hearts of people. It's hard to get up and preach when nobody's sang. Nobody's opened the heart. Nobody's made the hearts open and and receptive and and wanting like rain falling from the sky, saturating within us. The songs can bless us. I can see every once in a while, used to sit on the platform and watch people in a music service. And somebody would get touched on their heart. Somewhere along the line, the song or the chorus would touch them and you'd see their hand go up. Or you'd see them pull out a handkerchief and begin to wipe the tears from their eyes. Why? Because in that worship service, their hearts was touched by God through the songs. I've seen at times where people would, not only that, but in the prayer time, when people begin to pray and they would pray for one another, And when the leader was praying, they would sense the Spirit of God that would fall upon them. And the need that they came with and the burden they came with was already beginning to melt and work within their heart and giving them faith to believe that there's more to come. You see, songs and prayers, and then the sermon, especially during the invitation to seek God. But they did not let these opportunities pass them by. All of these people, they probably... You see, that what Solomon is saying, I've seen them come. I know the songs were sang. I know the prayers were prayed. I know the sermon was preached. But they didn't listen. They didn't respond. And so the terrible thing about it is, my friend, that there was an opportunity they had that may never come again. It may be a time when God spoke to you that He'll never speak in that same way again. And so the Bible says it was a terrible time. They probably had special opportunities to get right with God. Sometimes it's happened in revivals. Sometimes people have attended revivals. I've I've held them through the years and seen people come and and I'd see them squirm and worry and, and weep and cry but never make that commitment. I've had them go out the door and say, Preacher, I know what you said was right and I know I need to get right in and I'll probably back tomorrow night. But you know what? Something interfered. The devil caused something to come up that they couldn't come. And the revival ended and they never got saved. You see them years later and read the obituary and you look at them and you say, you know what, I knew that person. I met them in a revival. I've seen them in church. I've seen them weep the tears. I've seen them in a situation where God was dealing with them. The opportunity was there, but they didn't listen and they didn't abide by it. And so you see, sometimes that happens. It happens, my friend, in camp meetings. It happens in youth camps. That's the thing that's exciting about kids going to youth conventions and youth camp is because, you see, when they're there among others of their same kin and they hear the Word preached and they hear the song sung and the Spirit of God works on their heart and the Spirit of Holy Spirit begins to deal with them and puts a call upon their lives. And many of the preachers and many of the song directors that we have today, missionaries, many of them have been saved in those kinds of situations where they said yes to the Spirit of God. But you know there are some that go. They listen. They feel the conviction, but they never follow through with it. They had left their opportunity slip by without taking advantage. You see, some are kind of like Felix. You remember in the scriptures, Felix no doubt wanted, he, 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 no doubt he waited for a more convenient season. How many people have you known and I've known through the years that have waited for a more convenient time? Oh, preacher, this is not the day. There's too many other things going on today. I don't want to take up time. I don't want to hold everybody in the church to go to an altar and give my life to Jesus Christ. I'll do it some other time. That's exactly what Felix, Felix said. Felix said, I'll come at a more convenient time. My friend, the devil has a way of never making convenient times. You see, you need to come when the Spirit calls. Or some may be like King Agrippa who probably was almost persuaded. And I read that through this week, and I begin to think about it. As Paul was testifying to, to to King Agrippa, Agrippa looked at him and he said, "Paul, I know, I know that people think you're crazy, and I know there's something about what you're saying. But, but you know what? I, 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 I'll think about it. You you can't persuade me in a day's time. You see, there's a lot of people that are that way in church. The sad part is that no one, not one of those opportunities that they accept, but one of them was their last opportunity." You see, they put off their decision until it was, until it was too late. It could be that some of them were cut off suddenly. You know, that happens sometimes. You know, people say, I hear people say all the time, they, well, you know, that must have been their day. That must have been the the time their number came up. No, I don't believe that. I believe there are times when things happen, when tragedies happen, when accidents happen that God has nothing to do with. That simply has the fact that things will happen in this life and sometimes people get cut off suddenly. They didn't expect it to happen. They didn't expect it to, to occur at that time. And they were looking forward to one day living for God and walking with God. But you know what? They waited. And they waited and suddenly they were taken away without anything. You know what? The Bible teaches that. He said often being reproved and hardened their neck and suddenly destroyed without remedy. Some may have lived their lives and just failed to respond. You know, there's a lot of people like that. Some of these people that Solomon was looking at, some of them lived their lives and and just failed to respond. The Holy Spirit in God said, My spirits will not always strive with man. So, my friend, I'm going to tell you something. It's a privilege. It's it's, it's one of the greatest privileges there ever was when the Holy Spirit begins to deal with your heart. You are honored when they, when He solicits you out of a crowd on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night or any night or any place when the Holy Spirit looks at you and calls your name and says to you, there's something you need to take care of in your life. Let me tell you something, you are special to God at that point. The Holy Spirit said He will not always strive with men. Oh, the tragedy of lost opportunities, especially that last one. That last opportunity that you had. Oh, I think about this so many times. You know, the people that we witness to and the people that we work with and the people we try to influence. And many times, you know, I look down the road and I look at them and I begin to ask at myself the question when I see them laying in a casket. You know, I begin to ask the question, did I do everything I could to win them? Did I do everything I could to try to make them understand that God loved them? You see the tragedy of putting things off. Lost opportunities never come back. There's a third tragedy, and that of being so near to God, but eternity lost. To be near to God and to be lost eternally. One of the one time during their lives people in our text were the nearest to God that they could ever be. At one time in their lives, some of them, no doubt, were on the very door of salvation. They, they, were, they were there at the sanctuary. They were there at the place of the holy, the Bible says. I want to tell you something, no doubt. King People like King Saul, I thought about how he once had been saved and died in a backslidden condition. And King Saul realized that God no longer answers me. Can you imagine being so near to God, and then coming into eternity and being lost? Can you imagine being so near and yet lost? Near enough to feel the tug of His love on your heart. Near enough to God, my friend, to feel His hand upon your shoulder. Near enough to God today, my friend, to feel the breath of the Holy Spirit whispering, son or daughter, give me your heart. Think about that. And then going into death's door, going into eternity and remembering there was a time when God laid His hand on my shoulder and said, you need to move forward. There was a time when I heard the Spirit of God speak to me and the Holy Spirit convicted me and I knew I needed to get things right, but I just put it off. What a sad time. How tragic it would be to go through eternity with the knowledge that you were just on the brink of entering the kingdom of God. Just at that brink, just at that time, when you could have made that decision for Jesus Christ. How tragic to look back from eternity and say, on Sunday, on that Sunday in church, the Spirit of God, helped me be, I was the nearest to God as I ever be. Oh, the tragedy of being so near and so close and yet to be lost. What a tragedy. There's a fourth tragedy that I see, and that is the tragedy of not only of, of being lost because we didn't obey God, but I think one of the worst tragedies would be that of being forgotten. Think about that. Everyone here likes to be remembered. Everyone here has a birthday. And even though you say, oh, you don't need to send me a card, you are so thrilled when you get that card. And when you get that card from somebody that especially that you never expected it to come from, you thought they they hadn't been in your mind for years. I know, I get them once in a while. And I think, how can they remember me? You see, we like to be remembered. We love to be remembered, especially you women on your anniversary. Most men, you know, they got to keep looking at that calendar when it's in June. I keep looking, thinking, I know that's on the 15th, and I got to watch that day. Because I tell you what, every woman in the house likes to be remembered on her anniversary. Why are you doing this? Oh, and then they'll say, Oh, well, you didn't have to do that. You don't do it and see what happens. <laughs> you see, you want to be, re- we love being remembered. We love our birthdays. We love our anniversaries. And you know what? We love being remembered, my friend, at, at, at school, you know. When kids go off to school and they go off to college. We used to have a program in our church that our kids would go off to a college somewhere and, and they get Things together, you know. I remember brownies and crackers and all these goodies, you know. And they'd put them in a little box and they'd mail them off to the school where the kids were. And those kids, when they get that box, buddy, I want to tell you something. They were so thankful. Everybody in the, in the hall, you know. What do you got there? Well, my church remembered me. They remembered I was in school and they sent me something. You see, we love to be remembered. Those that are in the military love to be remembered. Those on the mission field love to be remembered. You see, we love to be remembered. Why? Because that's part of our life. Who are the people you remember first when you think of the churches you've attended? Think about it for a Who are the people you remember the most? You remember not the ones that are coming, God. You remember those saints that were faithful. You remember that teacher that taught you. You remember that song director that made you feel great in singing and raised you to heaven. You remember that preacher that even though you may not like everything he said and done, but you're thankful and you remember how he carried a burden for you until you got saved. You remember them. Why? Because there's something great about memory. The people you remember first. Isn't it the saints? Isn't it the faithful ones? Isn't the tried and true ones? Those who spent their lives in the service for the King? Those are the people. You, you have to probe your mind. You really have to probe your mind to think about people that, that was in a congregation or that came and gone. People ask me all the time. They'll say, oh, so-and-so uh, uh, passed away. And you probably remember them, preacher. They came once or twice while you were there. I was there 15 years. They come two times. They expect me to remember them. No, they came and gone. They, they never, never made any difference in their life. They, they didn't feel the need of being a part of the church. Why? Because, you see, they came, but they never left with anything. They walked out and went back to the old way of life. Those who spend their lives in the service, my friend, for the King. It's tragic to be forgotten. But the thing that's more tragic than all is to be forgotten in eternity by God. You say, oh, virtually you can't do that. Oh, yes. Think about being lost and think about how awful it would be to spend eternity without your friends and your loved ones. Think about leaving this world and going into eternity and expecting, my friend, to be able to see your mom or your dad or your sister or your brother or your child or your best friend and find out when you got in eternity that you went the wrong way. You didn't see them because they made a commitment and you didn't. But you know what? It would be sad. It would be so sad. I think about this. You know, I see people who, whose families, you know, were not all that big. And some of them, you know, they, they die off. Generation. Some people within two generations, they're gone. They disappear. And the saddest thing in the world is to come across an older gentleman or an older woman that, that has nobody left. They don't have any siblings. They don't have any of their brothers or sisters or parents. Everybody's gone. I'm alone in this world. There's nobody else. What a sad time that is. You know, I think even worse is to find yourself in eternity where even God forgot you. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that's true, it can happen. The Bible says that, listen to what it says, God had forgotten all about you. All the tragedy of being lost eternity when no one remembers, even God, where He says, You hear those words, depart from me, I never knew you. Yes. You can be wiped from God's mind. You know, it happens all the time. had a young man in his early 40s. In his early 40s, his parents were great Christians, devout, served, served the Lord, served in the church. He was going to be someday. Someday he was going to get right with God. A youth pastor begin to work with him as he got involved in all of the sports and all the things that took place in the school and and you know he got so heavily involved that he he forgot about youth he forgot about it and so the youth pastor would go to him and they'd say listen you, you need to get involved you need to come you need to be a part of this youth group you need to, you'd be an encouragement to them he said oh I know I know I want and I I want to but you know I play basketball and I play football and I play soccer and, and you know I got all my school work and, and when I Gets things all straightened out, I'll, I, I'll, I'll come. You know what? He never did come to that youth group. But he got old enough that he graduated from high school. And he went because he had a sports to a school, to a favorite school of his. And he had his way paid. He went, went there with that idea that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a star football player. And he, he got there. You know what? And of course, you know, star football players always attract the beauty girls. I mean, they, these young girls, they just all had their eye on him. And, and so he was in sports. And, and the preacher every once in a while would say to his parents, and, and he would send them a card, and he'd say to them, Son, he said, you need to get involved. There's a navigator's prayer Bible study there in the college you're in. Why don't you get involved in that? And he said, you know, they have these little prayer cells in your dormitory. Why don't you get involved in it? It'll help you in life. And he said, I know, and I appreciate it, but he said, I'm kind of busy right now. When I get things right out." Well, you know, he met one of them young girls and finally when he finished college and they both graduated, they, they loved one another. They were a good-looking couple. They, she came from a Christian background. His family was still Christian. They got married in a little simple ceremony. And you know what? When they got married, the preacher said to them, now now, the best way to hold this marriage together is you need to get involved in church. You need to get involved. Yeah, yeah you know, when, when we get this thing all settled down, you know, preacher, we just finished college, and, and we're just starting a job, and, and we're in a little apartment, and, and as soon as we get all this marriage stuff, bills paid behind, we get things in order and get things straightened out, we're going to come to church. Well, you know, about two years later, preacher was called. This, wife, this boy's wife was in the hospital. She was going to deliver their first baby. Found out it was twins. And one of them wasn't just right. And so when she went to have the baby, they were worried about it being breached, and so they called for prayer. So they called the preacher, and the preacher showed up. He came to the he came, he came to the hospital, and he was there and prayed with them, held their hand, cried with them, and, and, and you know, both of these little girls came out perfectly. So the preacher followed them up when they got home and he went to visit them and Told him how much he how how beautiful them little child children were and he said you know what you need to do you need to bring them little kids and and share them with the church you know we got we got a good nursery they'll take care, help take care of them it'll give you a little break and, 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 and in the meantime you know the you know the, the the fellow said well you know what he said you know preacher we're, we're gonna do that he said but right now you know you know one's enough but boy when you got two. When we kind of get things all figured out on how we're going to do this, when we get it all straightened out, we're going to come. Well, you know, a few years passed and the kids got gone and things got a little tough. You know, you got these two babies now and, and his job is, is doing okay, but, but now, you know, the old car broke down. And he's having a hard time, you know, trying to supply for these two babies and and just starting this job, not having a lot of uh, good money being brought in. And, 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 you know, he looked around and nobody would give him credit. And so he was walking to work one day. And he did something he hadn't done in years. He looked up to heaven and he said, God, God, if you'll help me, if you'll help me in my my difficult financial situation. If you'll just help us to get a car that we can go to the grocery store and that I can drive to work and we can take the kids out to their activities. If you'll just give us that car, Lord, we'll take our kids and go to church. Well, it didn't happen immediately, but within a couple of months, you know, things begin to turn. His job gave him an advancement. And he began to look at a car. And having twins, you know, he wasn't going to just buy any car. He bought a van. And he bought this van, you know, it was a kind of a nice van. And, and, of course, the apartment was getting a little crowded, so they applied for a loan for a house, and they got the loan. And as they were moving to the suburbs on moving day, as, as the trucks were unloading it, here came a fellow from down the street. He had this big tray of, of homemade cookies. I mean, they were luscious cookies. They were, his wife had made them, and, and he brought them to him, and he said, we're going to welcome you to the neighborhood. And you know, we're Christian, and just up the street, two blocks, is the church that we attend. We'd love for you to bring them kids and come to church. And the fellow said, well, thank you. He said, thank you very much. But he said, you can see the mess we got. We're just moving in. We get all these boxes unpacked, and we get everything straightened out. We get everything straightened out. We'll come to church. I didn't go. He kept driving that van, and he'd drive by that church every day. He'd drive by it, and one day the Holy Spirit must have been dealing with him because he began to talk to himself. You know, the smartest people in the world when we can talk to ourselves. He began to talk to himself, and he said, "Lord, you know, you know, I'm not, I'm not an infidel. You know, Lord, I, I coach soccer. I, I, I buy Girl Scout cookies. I, I I'm an American. I, I salute the flag." I'm not not somebody that just doesn't know. Lord, I I want you to know when I get things straightened out, I plan on coming to church. But you know what? He put it off and he put it off. Then one day, sitting at the desk in his office, his chest began to hurt. By the time they called the squad and they got him to the hospital, it was too late. Forty-three years old. You know the amazing thing was? He stayed true to His Word. When I get straightened out, I'm going to go to church. Four days later, the biggest, most beautiful car you'd ever want to see. What? Expensive car. Brought him to the church. Following right behind him was this beautiful, big limousine with his wife and his two daughters. Six of his best friends carried him from that car down the main aisle to the front of the church. People walked by and they looked in. Lines way out, way out. Because everybody loved this guy. They looked into the face that that funeral director did a wonderful job. He had his hair combed beautiful. He had a little smirky smile on his face. It was all held together by that plastic and that formaldehyde. And there he lay there stiff as a board. People walked by and they were amazed at how wonderful he looked. But he stayed to his word. He said, Lord, when I get straightened out, I'll go back to church. Well, that day he was straightened out. Let me tell you, my friend, don't let that tragedy happen to you. I don't care how old or how young you are. Don't let that happen to you. Don't let the Spirit of God pass you by. Don't relive the tragedy that was there. My friend, you know in your heart and your life today where you stand with God. And so I bid to you, don't let these four tragedies take over you. You're here today, but the church cannot save you. Being here isn't going to get you saved, my friend, but coming and acknowledging Jesus Christ in your life, my friend, accepting Him into your heart can make a difference, and it can make a difference for you not only in this life, but in eternity. I tell you this morning, this could be the day in which you are the nearest to God as you've ever been. Because God is here. Yeah, you know I know that. Because He said we're two or more gathered together in His name, He's in the midst. God is here this morning. If you'll open your heart and your ears and listen, the Holy Spirit is here today and He wants to make a difference in your life. He wants to get you straightened out now before you face eternity. Not only that, but my friend, think of the tragedy of spending eternity without God. Think of of spending eternity without a friend. Think about spending eternity without your family, without hope my friend it's going to happen if you don't listen to the voice of jesus when he calls that's the reason why they wrote the song in our hymn book we're going to sing in a few moments jesus is tenderly calling today calling today He's calling you. He's calling me. He's calling us to to come and make sure that we got things in order, that our life is where it ought to be, that sin is put behind us, and that we're living for Him, that no matter whether we have one day or one hour or a hundred years, that we're ready to meet Him. Let me ask you this morning, Jesus is tenderly calling, don't turn Him away. We need to seek the Lord while He may be found. The Bible says, call on Him when He's near. Today, He's as near as He'll ever be to you. You'll never find another day in your life that Jesus will be any closer than what He is today. Because now, He says, is except the time. Today is the day of salvation. So I asked you this morning, have you got your life straightened out? Is there something in your life that you know that could be a hindrance? Is there something that needs to be taken care of? Maybe you're here today and you're kind of like King Saul. You knew God. You raised up in the church. You knew Him. But you're not living that life. My friend, don't let that happen in your life. Don't put it off to a more convenient season. There is no convenient season. Now is the day to take care of it. Right now, at this moment, I am going to give you the properties to do it. Let's stand together. Father, oh God, this morning we pray that we'll not relive the tragedies. Lord, as we look out in life and we see the people that we've known through the years that have given their hearts to You and have lived for You, and Lord, have rejoiced, and Lord, today they're in the presence of Almighty God rejoicing together and waiting and anticipating the hour when we'll come to join us. But Lord, we also know that there are those, oh God, there are those that, that one time knew you, or those that, Lord, sat under conviction of knowing that they needed to do it, but they just didn't take the time. Let this be the day, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would free them. Lord, that they would be unbound, that they would be able to make their way to an altar and say, yes, Jesus, I want you to, I want you totally to take home my life. Father, meet these needs of these folks today. Whatever it might be, Father, we pray that You'd give it to them right now at this hour. In Jesus' name we pray. Will You come as we sing? Let's stand